let me be perfectly clear. I love nice things, but if you are not happy to begin with, the acquisition of material or other things is not going to do it for you. So your point of investing in yourself is paramount because it's not selfish. In fact, it's one of the most selfless things that you can possibly do is to try to work on how you can be happy, how you can be content. Changing the environment just doesn't automatically change your mindset. Welcome to Reinvention After 50, a Brand 50 podcast where we interview a large spectrum of entrepreneurs that have started their businesses later in life. Learn, be inspired, and get motivated by their stories so that you can take your life's experiences and turn them into your next venture. And here are your hosts, Jack Uhaldi and Robert Erie Archboard. Welcome everyone to Reinvention After 50, a Brand 50 podcast. I'm Robert Erie Artboard and my partner Jackie Holiday here did a great interview with Greg Scheinman, the owner of the Midlife Mail. And what I love about this interview is about transitions. He started off as an independent filmmaker, had his own independent film company, did that for a while, worked for Miramax Films, then developed a children's sports entertainment company, which he then sold to Michael Eisner of Disney. And then from there, trans- transitioned into something that you wouldn't think he would do, he sold insurance. But tell us a little bit about how he sold insurance and how he uses past experience to do that. And then from there, how he went to Midlife Mail. Yeah, so as you said, great interview. I just love Greg's energy, full of energy. And he talks about his transition from you know entertainment. He was like, when he got offered this position at an insurance company, after he sold the entertainment company to Michael Eisner and his group, he was like, what am I gonna do? Um, he and his wife ended up relocating to Houston where she was from. And so he had to find work. This opportunity to, to sell insurance came up and he just, he was very transparent. He's like, insurance? Like, ah, I don't know, man, just selling insurance. But he decided to take the job. He figured, okay, if it doesn't work out, I can always do something different. But what he did was, is he used his ability to create content. So he turned selling insurance into something that could be you know, fun for him because he was able to use his content creation ability and educate people on how to buy insurance, what to look for in insurance. Um, and he created a show that he did with PBS, local PBS station in Houston. So he was able to combine, combine that expertise um, into something. And, and then eventually, um, you know, got out of that after doing that for 18, 20 years, he started Midlife Mail, but he transitioned to Midlife Mail five years prior. So he had in the back of his mind, I will eventually segue out of this insurance business, um, but I want to get back into producing content, something that I'm passionate about. And if you see this guy's Instagram and if you go to Greg's website, I mean, guy is super fit, just turned 50. I mean, he's super fit, very, very dedicated um, and, and offers a lot of really, really good guidelines uh, for people to follow. Yeah, he's perfect for Brand 50 because at our age, or even a little younger, you're, you're trying to figure out what to do next. And he's got the perfect platform for men to really, you know, delve into themselves and, and change what they want to change about themselves. Yeah, he got he talks a lot about the six F's. Six F's are sort of his mantra. It's family, fitness, finance, food, uh, fashion, and fun. And so he likes to incorporate all of those elements um, into his life. So I think this is a great interview. Uh, and great nuggets of information for our audience to get. Greg Scheinman, thanks for joining me. You have the Midlife Mail. 
Jack, it's awesome to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So you are, uh, you're not quite 50. If, uh, if I'm reading my notes correctly, you're about 49. So you're, you're about to enter the club. I am. I'm 49, turned 49 December 23rd. So I'm right around that Christmas, Hanukkah, always get kind of screwed on the oh. presents situation. <laughs> um, 49 and actually looking forward to that big five out. It, it's, it's a nice club, Greg. I think you're going to, you're going to, you're going to do it. Okay. And we do have, even though this is uh, the reinvention after 50 podcast, we do have uh, you youngsters join us from time to time. So I'm glad you're able to make it. <laughs> it's it's my pleasure. I'll get there as soon as I can. Okay. <laughs> All right. Cool. A lot to talk about here. I I first got exposed to you on Instagram. Uh, I saw your posts on there and I listened to your podcast. You do a phenomenal job with your podcast. We'll have links to your website and all the services your business offers. Um, but before we get into the midlife mail and what you're doing there, tell us a bit about your origin story. I just was interested in because uh, you know you you were a partner in an insurance company for, for many years and you just kind of segued full-time in, into this new, your, your, your business here. But tell us your origin story uh, from the beginning. Yeah, I'll try to give you a, a quick quick down and dirty snapshot you know, of it. I was born and raised on Long Island in New York, a town called Great Neck. I'm one of three boys. So I've got two younger brothers. Um, loved you know where, where I grew up. Um, for a while. Unfortunately, you know, my father got sick in his 40s and passed away from cancer at 47. So that threw a wrench into things. Um, went off to college in Michigan and got into University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. And I, and I went off, spent my years there, the Fab Five years, if you're a Michigan fan oh, yeah. at all, the Desmond Howard years, those were, those were good times. Moved back into the city to enter the entertainment industry because that's what I thought I wanted to do. Uh, you know a little something about that industry. Yep. Spent time at Miramax Films for a couple of years, had my own independent feature film production company, and ultimately decided that New York and that industry kind of really wasn't for me. Met my now wife, Kate, of 20 years. So we just had our 20th wedding anniversary. Congrats. And we have been in Houston. Uh, where she is from, born and raised in Houston. And I had the opportunity here to start a children's sports video company, which I did for years, which fortunately sold and was partnered with Michael Eisner, who used to run Disney for a few years. After that, invested in and went to work for a firm called Inns Group Insurance and Risk Management, which was the polar opposite of everything I had done you know, before. And we can get into that. Spent almost 15 years over there until we recently exited and were acquired at the end of 2020. And now I'm full-time committed to, to Midlife Mail, which is really the, the premier digital media platform for middle-aged men and the brands that, that want to reach them. Um, personally, we've got two boys, 15 and 18, a couple of loud dogs that you'll probably hear in the background while we're recording this. And that's kind of the snapshot of 49 years of, of my life. And in that process, like with any of us, there's, there's been some ups and downs along the way, which we'll, we'll get into some of that prior. And you've been, the thing I love about what you do is you've been very, very open uh, in talking about that. Now you talk pretty significantly about your dad and, and, and his death and what that, the impact that it had on you, one of your blogs uh, that I recently read. Quick question, when you were working in a, a part, and I should have the name here and I don't, with the insurance outfit. Um, Inns Group. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Was now was that were you part? I know you were a partner. Were you part of the ownership, or were you more of an employee? 
So it's interesting. I had started over there as a producer. I knew the founders of the, of the, of the firm. And when I had sold Team Baby Entertainment, which was the company I had with Michael Eisner, they merged it into the Topps Baseball Card Company. I decided to stay in Houston. It was going whole new direction. Um, I was back again with nothing to do. You know, I had no new, no new million dollar idea. Right. Um, my identity was kind of wrapped up in that whole team baby sports video Eisner world. And I knew these guys over, over at Inns Group. And they said, why don't you come over and, and work over here? And it's like, are you kidding? Like I've been in media and entertainment and marketing and sports, you know, what, what do I know about insurance? And they were really cool at the time. They were like, look, it's not what you know about insurance. It's what you know about developing business and relationships and networking. We know insurance. We know risk management. You can learn that business over time. You can learn enough to be dangerous. What we really want to do is grow and scale this agency. Um, and you really can go after anything you want. You know, that was kind of the kind of the beauty, you know, the way that they sold me on it was you could become an equity partner in this firm. We're really trying to build something special. And whether it's media, marketing, sports, hospitality, eat it, drink it, work out with it. They're like, Hey, Greg, all the shit you're into, like those guys need what we do. Mm -hmm. So go do it. And I said, okay, I came home and tried to explain it to Kate, you know, at the time and two young kids and we're just coming out of this whole other deal. And so no, I don't have another idea. I don't have a job anymore. Okay. I've got my identity back and I don't know what my identity actually is. You know, how do I want to reinvent myself? Is this something that I could see myself doing? By the way, nothing I'd ever done in my life was anything anybody actually needed. <laughs> it was always, you know, disposable income. It was movies and DVDs sure. and PR and Mark, all the first things to go, you know, when, right. you know, when hits the fans. people don't have money. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it checked a lot of boxes. It said, okay, opportunity to build a business, be entrepreneurial, but not have to deal with the, you know, the nuts and bolts or the inner workings and have it all on my shoulders. It's something everybody needs. I love risk and risk assessment. You know, when you think about life and wellness and try to, you know, balance and portfolios, there's something kind of interesting about risk assessment and risk mitigation, you know, there. And I could make it as entrepreneurial as I wanted and go after whatever I wanted. I don't know whether I said this also, but residual income is a nice thing. No, you sure. build a book of business you know, yeah. and, and you can platform off of that. So it checked a lot of boxes and, and I bit the bullet. I signed on and, and went over there, took all the exams and said, if I'm going to be here, what's the plan You know, of how we can reach certain benchmarks and accomplish certain things and ultimately be a partner, make an investment in the firm. So yes, I was, you know, I was, I was an equity partner shareholder in the firm with really no decision-making power whatsoever (laughs) at the the same time, which was, which was great. You know, I just was able to go out there and, and, and produce and try to represent the, the firm and both my clients as best I could. You know, it's a great uh, synopsis you just gave us. And, and part of our podcast here, the Reinvention After 50 podcast, is really helping people sort of reinvent themselves. And one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you, we'll get into the fitness and fashion and midlife mail and all, all of that that comes with it. But part of what we're trying to do is help people sort of identify ideas. And, and you had, I just wrote down, what's the plan? I put that in quotations here. You just mentioned, what's the plan? I feel like a lot of people don't have a plan. Um, especially mm-hmm. as they get older, right? And so you and I both know a lot of people that are in their 40s and 50s that just kind of walk through life without a plan. 
Um, and hundred percent, right. And, and create bad habits, which is something else I wanted to talk to you about, but you were able to segue and pivot right from the insurance business to midlife mill. It was a passion play for you, but you learned things along the way with the insurance business. You learned business development. You learned you know, how to connect with folks, all of those things. You're a natural, you've already got these skills, right? But how did that then segue for you? Like, what did you learn in that process uh, to begin Midlife Mail? And how did, how did what your previous experience kind of lend itself to what you're doing now? Yeah, it, it's a great question. You know, one, I really struggled for a long time with this notion of having a corporate job. You know, there was a way that you were expected to dress. There was a way that you were expected to show up. You were part of, we were a mid-sized organization when I joined and ultimately a large size organization, what we considered large, you know, over 200 people, you know, when we finally, uh, when we exited, you know, there, there are rules. You know, there's, there's you know, conforming, there's corporate culture. Um, there's a suit. There's a lot of different ways to wear. So, you know, I struggled for a long time um, with how I wanted to fit into the system or if I could fit into the system or how I could even differentiate myself within the system. So to your point, it is very hard. And by nature, I'm a curious and creative person. That's all I've ever really been. So how could I bring curiosity and creativity to this, you know, kind of, boring, what could be boring, you know, right. business yeah. in, in a lot of ways. And that met with, with some acceptance. It met with some resistance. It was in personal and, and internal, you know, struggle. And sometimes it was an external, you know, real struggle with, with others, you know, even there, I started a TV show when I got to the firm to talk to other entrepreneurs and risk takers, because nobody wants to talk to me about insurance. But what if I had brought a camera and I had a TV show and I talked to them about risk and their life and their career? It was a different way to market. You know, it was a different way to develop business. And it turned out to be very successful because I learned more about these people in an hour of talking to them than people that had done business with them for 10, 15 years. And, that, and, and that, I was just going to say too, that is a perfect example of taking an element from your previous life in entertainment, knowing how to get a TV show on air. I would assume it was on television, broadcast television. Yeah, so we put it on uh, on Houston PBS. I'll give you a funny story about this if, if you want to hear it <laughs> or think it's a funny story. Yeah. You know, one, you're exactly right. Combine personal passion with professional expertise. You know, that's one of the things I talk and work with guys on right now in a lot of ways. But basically what it did is you know, I knew how to make a TV show. And I had this gear from my other business, you know, before. And I also had a had a wonderful guy that was a shooter and an editor of all of my Team Baby DVDs that I really also wanted to keep gainfully employed, you know, as well. Yeah. <laughs> Loved them. Said, okay, let's go create this TV show. So I went to Houston PBS and I said, look, I've got a 30-minute one-on-one talk show where I interview entrepreneurs and risk takers of the highest level all throughout Houston. Okay? I'm going to bring you this show completely delivered. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring you 20 episodes of this show. All you got to do is give me airtime. Mm-hmm. It's going to be presented by Inns Group Insurance, where you guys won't have to do a thing. Mm-hmm. They were like, what? <laughs> You're going to do what? Yep. Here's the guest list. I wrote out an entire guest list of every prominent person I could possibly come up with in Houston. Didn't know them at all. Didn't have them at all. Right. Just listed them down. They gave me Thursdays at 7 p.m. or something like that. 
It's a good time period, said, by terrific. the way. Yeah. Seven people, I'll, not bad. Look, what a, they could have given me whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I wanted was the ability to say, I have a television show on Houston PBS. Would you come on? You know, that's what I wanted. Once they gave me that, I started calling people around Houston. Say, I've got 7 p.m. on Thursday nights launching a new show for Houston PBS called Profiles of Innovation. You know, I interview risk takers and entrepreneurs. Would you come on and talk to me? Everyone said yes. That's awesome. Everyone said yes, from the Bob McNairs who run the Houston Texans to the Scott McClellans wow. who run HEB, the largest grocery chain you know, around from top to bottom. And you know what else happened, Jack? When we finished, they said, you know who you should have on? Oh, yeah. yeah. You know who'd be great for this? And they opened the door for you. Opened the door. Wide open. So no cold calls but warm, not even warm, like red hot introductions. Like half the time right in front of me. Hey, let me call him. We'll just put us on a text or whatever. We'll do it right now. Right. And that's how, and that's how he did it. 70% became either clients or referred other business right. you know, over the next couple of years. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So you not only, yeah, you got content for your program, but they also, uh, you know, they're able to buy you know, insurance from you and you have to grow your book Ideally, of business. I mean, and my thing was, listen, don't trust me to be your insurance guy per se. Trust me that I've done my due diligence. And I looked at every firm in Texas before I decided to join these guys. Yeah. Trust that I've had entrepreneurial and business success at a high level. Yeah. This is where I decided to plant, to plant myself. We're going to surround you with the best and the brightest, whether you use us or not, but if you just give us a shot. That's, that's, that's awesome. That is, that is so, that's intelligent. That's intelligent. And as you said earlier, you're in the insurance business and how exciting is the insurance business, but you made it exciting because you turned it into entertainment. You tried your best. What I also realized is that I liked the entertainment and all of those things, again, consistently better than I actually liked, you know, the, the insurance business no, itself, yeah. which was, you know, that struggle that we get to, you know, in midlife about fulfillment and contentment. And is this enough? Or can I really see myself continuing to do this day in and day out? Am I being disingenuous? Um, am I being fair to my partners? Am I being fair to myself? Am I carrying this baggage home at night? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where's the end? Like, is there an end you know, yeah. to this? You know, all of those questions. It's pretty awesome. Have you always been super fit? Yes and no. <laughs> so in my teens, I was fit by way of like bodybuilding type fit. Okay. You know, I, I was bullied as a 13, 14 and 15 year old. And I remember these older kids coming down from the high school to the middle school specifically to beat my ass every day. <laughs> That's right, um, man. In New York did, too, did, no less. And I didn't like it. No, just when you think of New York, don't think of where I grew up. I grew up in the softest town on the North shore of Long Island. If you happen to be tough, like in our town, it did not make you tough anywhere else. Okay. And I was not even tough there. Let's put it that way. <laughs> okay. So it wasn't a big achievement to be like the toughest guy in our town. I can assure you of that. But even so I was getting, getting whooped on, on a regular basis and I didn't like it. So I started picking up some weights, you know, then and my dad was like, yeah, you may want to try, you know, working out a little bit, you know, try like, learning how to fight a little bit. It may, it may help. It may not. So I ended up doing, I kind of did some bodybuilding competitions in my, in my teens. 
And then I was that kind of college fit where you could go out drinking until four in the morning and still be able to work out the next day. Um, And then like a lot of guys, I got fat. I got out of shape. You graduate, you move into back into New York city. You've got a job, you're working, you're out eating and drinking. Your metabolism is changing. You're getting a little bit older. And the next thing you know, Oh shit. I'm like 200 pounds. I don't look good. Yeah. I don't look good at all. And and I had to turn the corner in my 30s to, to get it back you know, and say, okay, this, this needs to get better. This needs to change. You know, so really kind of from my 30s until now, I've been kind of super disciplined, kind of changed my lifestyle around. I don't really drink anymore. Um, I eat pretty well. I just, I've swapped nighttime for daytime. You know, I just love kind of that health and wellness lifestyle and community of people. And that's, you know, it's become a big thing to me. And like you say too, in one of your blogs I read or somewhere on your website, you're the basically like, look at the average of the five people you hang out with and that'll dictate sort of the direction you're going. This is essentially what you're saying. Uh, I read it somewhere, which is like, which is we've all heard the term, you're at the average of the five people you hang out with. So to your point, if you're hanging out with a a crowd that works out a lot and it takes care of themselves and is motivated to do well, you in turn will do the same. Absolutely. And if I could could kind of take that a step further, you know, when it pertains again to business, you know, personal or professional, I genuinely believe that anything and everyone you want to be around, it exists. It's out there. Yeah. You just have to be willing to, to go after it, to put yourself in that situation, to get out from maybe under what you're, you're dealing with, you know, maybe again, you're not surrounding with the people that you you would like to, or you're maybe not living the way exactly you want to, or you feel like you need to be friends with the people at work or go for drinks with them afterwards, or you need to entertain clients a certain way. Well, you got to be friends with these other dads just because your kids are on the same sports team with them, or you go to the same school, you know, and you find yourself in these situations, you know, I don't know, this, this, this like just really isn't me or where I want to spend my time or what I want to do. So, what I would say to that is, and I was guilty of this for a very long time, whatever you want that exists. If you want clients that want to exercise with you in the morning, as opposed to go for drinks with you at the end of the day, they exist. You just have to go after them. If you want to do triathlons, the community is amazing. If you want to paint pictures, there are people out there, you know, that are taking painting courses. Just, you got to believe that there's more than one way to be successful. Yeah. Agreed. It, it's it's all out there for sure. Okay, so let's get back to the business piece of this too. Mm-hmm. So we talked a little bit about you know your your origin story and how it connects all. Tell me about why you started Midlife Mail. Yeah, great, great question again. You know, as you said earlier, you nailed it. It was a passion project for me. What what started happening, Jack, was these conversations that I was also having professionally. Um, when typically entrepreneurs, C-level guys at these companies that we were doing business with, even other guys that would come up and start talking to me at the gym, these conversations shifted to be very personal. Mm-hmm. Questions that were being asked, topics that were being, you know, being discussed. And maybe for whatever reason, I seemed like somebody that, that they felt like asking, you know, or that would maybe give them a straight answer, or maybe had something to offer. I think that I try to be, you know, I'm, I'm relatable. I think I'm relatable. I'm, I'm 
an open book, transparent and vulnerable, and maybe to an extent to some slightly aspirational, certainly hope so, and try to lead by example. So it opened up a lot of conversations and I found those conversations very valuable and very fulfilling. And again, I've always considered myself creative and curious and a storyteller. And I started writing Sunday mornings about these conversations, not naming names or anything, but just just writing my story, writing other conversations I was having, things that were, I would start making voice memos and notes about, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I could touch on that. Or, wow, that's like the fourth time that's come up, you know, with a bunch of very different guys. What's connecting, you know, that. And I started writing on Sundays, which turned into a blog and turned into a newsletter. Then it became a podcast. Actually, I'm not even sure. Maybe the podcast was even first, you know, to have these conversations because nobody was watching TV anymore. And it's a big process to produce a TV show. And podcast is such a better format, you know, that I can do easily. So easy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I started to invite guys on the podcast and talk to them again, entrepreneurs, risk takers, husbands, fathers, chefs, athletes. And I had built up built up some good credibility and I'd built up some goodwill with a lot of amazing guys that were generous enough to give me some time and come on. And this whole thing started going from like a tree falling in the woods, you know, like to yeah. somebody sending me an email or a DM or you know, starting to follow me on Instagram. Then I got an Instagram and do I do this on LinkedIn a little bit? And people started reaching out and it started picking up momentum and then ultimately some brands started reaching out and going, Hey, this is interesting. You know, we, we want to target guys like you also. And the average influencer, if you will, is, you know, 18, 20, 25. Right. Like we don't have, we don't have trouble getting those guys and giving them some free product. You know, it'd be, be great if we could hit some guys between 40 and 55 that make six figures a year. Like, can we do that? Like, yeah, I think we can, you know, guys. And kind of that's when, when the midlife male was, was developed and it went from kind of Greg Scheinman or risk takers to the branding of the midlife male, you know, and what does that really mean? And what do I really do? I help men maximize middle age. I help the brands that want to reach those men. I put out a kick-ass podcast and a newsletter each week. Okay. Do we have something here? And, you know, fortunately, it's, it seems like we do, and I'm really grateful and I'm humbled by it, but I think there's a I think there's a real mission to this. Oh, there's definitely, I mean, I can tell you're passionate and there is a mission to it. Do you, um, well, first, just a comment too. One of my frustrations being in the advertising world myself is that brands are so focused on the 25 to 54 demo, at least in my world, they are. That's the primary demo that we focus on. And I'm like, 54 and beyond, man, is where the money is. The males have the most money, the most disposable income at that point. I've got three kids I'm 57. My kids are all out of college. I've got more money now than I've ever had before. You know, First of all, you look great for 57. I think, again, I think you nailed it right there. Um, look, to an extent, great. Go down that path, guys. Okay? Do it. Your marketing managers are in their upper, tw- you know, mid to upper 20s. You, know, you, you don't get it. Okay? Which, which, what's amazing is that it creates such incredible opportunity for guys like us, I think. Blaze, you know, blaze down a new path to create a new category to disrupt this industry and say everything that you just said. You know what? Forty to fifty-five, fifty-five and beyond. Okay, 
We're, we're not looking for giveaways and discount codes. We're, we want best-in-class service. We want to get our information from people that we trust, again, that are authentic, that are vulnerable, that are relatable, that are aspirational, and we're willing to pay for it. And we're loyal. Yeah. Also, I mean, look at what's happening in our industry. I call our industry because you know, you're a leader in this industry, too. Look at what's happening. Okay. Look at the covers of GQ, Men's Journal, Men's Health, Esquire. Used to be 20 something year old fitness right. model, you know, for the most. Yeah. You know, now it's The Rock, it's George Clooney, it's Tom Brady, it's Mark Wahlberg, it's Tim McGraw, it's Chris Maloney, it's David Beckham. The list goes on and on. And you know who wants to be those guys? 20 something year old guys, 30 exactly. something year old guys are now looking ahead, going, you know what? That's where it's at. They own businesses. They're in shape. They've got beautiful wives. They're doing dynamic stuff. Like, holy shit, that's where I want to be. I don't want to die at my desk. Totally. And I bet you the folks that are coming to your website and following you are probably much younger. It's in, there's three avatars, if you will. One, let's, let's set the one I was going after aside for a second. Yeah. But to your point. Right. Mm-hmm. There's this amazing dynamic group of younger guys out there that are paying attention. They're in their 30s, that are successful by, by all measures. They're married now. They've got young kids. They're, they're working in great jobs or careers. You know, they're well-educated. They're also much more in touch with their feelings, their emotions. They think about things like mental health a little bit more. They think about the bigger picture financially. We can get into the six Fs. You know, and they're looking at 40. Help me see this better. You know, save me a few years. Save me a few bucks. Save me. I want to learn. I'm interested. You know? right. They're preparing much differently than I ever did, which was really not to prepare at all, you know, and be walloped over the head, you know, by all this. And that's an amazing group to work with. You know, guys like that. The second are the women mm. that are reaching out and they're saying, look, I want my husband, you know, my partner to be better. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's stressed. He's anxiety ridden. It's groundhog's day for him every day. You know, that's there. He's seeing midlife is the beginning of the end instead of the, the beginning of the next and best you know, phase of his life. He's not dressing as well, or we're buying things instead of experiences because we think that can solve the problem. You know, all of these things that are going, can you work with him? Can you help him? on, on that. And that's interesting. You know, look, the guy's got to buy in. If the guy doesn't buy in, it's never going to happen. No matter what What I'm saying, your, your wives genuinely care. Your partners genuinely care. Okay. And they see what's happening and they want you to be the best version of yourself. So guys, if you're questioning whether or not you should make that investment or you're not communicating, you know, as well as maybe you should, or she might be afraid to bring this to your attention, or you might be afraid to bring it to her attention that you need some help, or you can't do it alone. Let me tell you something, just open up and talk to each other. Stop trying to ask for forgiveness or permission or not ask at all. Just ask for support because it's there. I hear it all the time. It's there. They don't want another purse. Okay. They don't want you to have a heart attack in your swimming pool. They do not need a yellow Porsche. Neither do you. You know, I'd get a black one. Hey, there you go. <laughs> I wouldn't buy a yellow one either, but <laughs> each is around. We can go down that, that whole rabbit hole too. You know? And then the last one is that third demographic of guys that are kind of right smack in the middle you know, of their 
midlife, midlife crisis or just coming out of it or just entering it. And they're all there. And it's a very challenging time, very challenging time. Is this what I want to do? Is this where I thought I was going to be? Right. Am I, why am I not having as much fun, you know, right. in, anymore? What can I do to show up better for my wife, for my kids? How do I make a plan again to maybe navigate out of this and into something else? Or how do I reignite some fire and some passion to do this better so I can utilize the proceeds of it to do all the other things that I want to do, but haven't been doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the reality too, the best investment one can make is in themselves. To your point, the yellow Porsche, people are spending money on materialistic things that they think is, are going to make them happy. But the reality is, is you got to invest in yourself. In yourself. We, all, we all need to do it every year, every day. Let me be perfectly clear. I love nice things. Yeah. I love nice, quality, expensive things. And I love beautiful people. Okay. Like, again, right? anyone who hangs out around like health and wellness and fitness, yep. mm, there's, another, there's another amazing byproduct of this. You're around very active, wonderful, pretty, personable people all the time. That's a motivating, inspiring environment. No different than a black Porsche. Incredibly aesthetically pleasing, incredible performance. And you can have wonderful experiences in it. Right. You can. But if you are not happy to begin with, it is not going to solve the problem. It's not going to make you happy, you know, on its own. Correct. There. The acquisition of material or other things is not going to do it for you. So your point of investing in yourself is, is paramount because it's not selfish. In fact, it's one of the most selfless things that you can possibly do is to try to work on how you can be happy, how you can be content so that when you have these experiences or you get access to these things, you can truly enjoy them to their fullest potential as opposed to being in the most beautiful place in the world on the nicest yacht out there and absolutely hating the experience that you're having because you're just unfortunately stressed, anxiety-ridden, depressed, and unhappy with whatever else is going on. Your environment, like changing the environment just doesn't automatically change your mindset. Mm-hmm. Right. And it also adds to your, your loved ones and your six F's, F's. You talk about family, fitness, finance, food, fashion, and fun. Um, and what you just said to me is it's, it's, it's not selfish because it's also your spouse, your children will benefit from a better you, right? And that's essentially what you're I helping certainly people I certainly hope do. so. And I certainly believe that. Look, I'm in the bonus time of my life. You know, as we touched on earlier, my dad was 47 when he passed away. So for me, passing 47 was always the, I'm in the bonus time. Like, let's go, you know? Yeah. Like if you thought I was trying to make the most of life up to 47, now I'm like, let's go. Like, this is the bonus time. And our opportunity again, to live better, stronger, healthier, wealthier, happier than we ever have before. Because we've learned from a shit ton of mistakes also, successes, failures in all of these areas. Now, can we apply it? And if we apply it and we take a little, and we are a little selfish and we do invest in ourselves, and then the payback is by being selfless and showing up better for your kids and your family and creating a better, broader, well-balanced life portfolio, like We'll be around here for a really long time, Jack, doing a lot of really, really great stuff. Totally. It's funny. You talk about bonus time. I was I had a holy shit moment this past week. So I went skiing with my son. He's 28 years old. I've got three kids and he's the middle. He's 28. And we went skiing and we were, it was great. We're on a chairlift. And it's one of the 
fun things I get to do with my kids um, is, is, is the outdoors and skiing stuff. So anyway, so we're outdoors skiing and I'm like, my goal is I want to be skiing when I'm 80. It's like, it's one of my, it's on the bucket list of things to do ski when I'm 80. And I had a holy shit moment because we were on a chairlift. So I started counting back. I'm 57. That's only in 23 years. So yeah. I'm like, wow, man, that, that's going to come pretty quick. 23 years isn't that far away. Um, so anyway, I want to segue real quick to your business and sort of the things that you offer. Again, you, as we talked, you, you were in the insurance industry. You kind of, you, you took your grassroots uh, entertainment background. You know, you did this show promoting things that you're doing with the insurance company. Did you always have it in the back of your mind? Because when I looked at LinkedIn, your LinkedIn profile for about five years, you've been doing midlife mail and prior even to giving up the insurance. So this, this thing must've been in your head for a while, right? It was, um, it, it definitely was. And they said it took on greater, greater importance. Um, and I think greater value and greater purpose you know, each year, you know, one, one thing that I also had to wrestle with and, and struggle with was really how much I could also talk about and be public with what I was working on and wanted to do with midlife mail and how that could be perceived to my partners, to my clients and to my colleagues, you know, at, at my firm also. Oh, right. Um, so there's, you know, there's a layer of complexity that was there, or what's I call internal and external struggle, you know, for a while that this passion project, hobby, all of these, you know, social media is very social. It's very public. How do you use it? Where can these things come back and maybe bite you in the ass? Certain things that happen. Am I saying what I really want to say the way I really want to say it? Or am I kind of hedging and holding back and doing, because I'm worried about clients or the firm or the reputation and all, and all of that stuff is valid. I mean, my, firm was great and, and supportive and partners were great. And yeah, sure. You always have differences in personalities with coworkers and colleagues. And again, ways of defining success and measurement there, but it really, you know, the, the pedal went down when we, when we were acquired and we exited. And then I, I finally left the firm in August of last year, I guess it was. Um, it was like, a, it was like a big kind of like, the floodgates opened and it was like, now you don't have to worry. And I could change my LinkedIn profile completely, you know, and change the photo and the bio was like, okay, here's what I'm doing. And what happened was there were just so many amazing people also that came out of the woodwork. They're like, we were just waiting for this. We just, we just, we saw it come. We knew it was going to happen. You know, we knew it was going to happen. We just didn't know when, or we were just waiting for you to take that step. You know, like when's, is this guy actually going to do it, you know, or not? <laughs> He's going to practice kind of what he preaches or, you know, or, or not. So it was, again, the beginning of, of, of a new beginning, a new reinvention, not a surprise to a lot of people that, that know me or knew me, but there was over the last three, four, five years, this also transition of the way I operated. So I did lose clients over the stuff that I was publishing and putting out there. Mm. You know, I did lose friends over what I was putting out there. I did have strife with with you know professionally over what I was doing out there. It was different. You know? At the same time, I gained clients. I made different friends. I was able to, you know, so it, it's come full full circle to that point I made earlier that everything you want, you know, is out there. 
but I'm also under no delusion that, you know, I'm not bigger than the system. No, it's- so the real question was, do I fit within the system and am I beneficial to the system overall or do I not? And if I don't, it's nobody's real fault, but my own. And I should probably move on and go do what it is that I really want to do. You know? Perfect timing. I mean, I noticed, and we only have a few more questions too. I don't want to keep it too long, but uh, the, um, what I also noticed on your LinkedIn profile, it says self-employed at <laughs> the very top who you are. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, that, and that's freaking awesome. Uh, just a couple quick questions. So your own, in terms of your business and what you, the way you have it structured, I know you do personal coaching. We'll have mm-hmm. links for people to, uh, to get to you. Um, and then you also, one, one thing I found interesting is you, you consult and you work with brands on how to target that midlife male. How do you do that? Yeah. Thank you for asking. Great question. Look, the primary, you, you're absolutely right. The primary is that I help men maximize middle age and that is through personal coaching. So I have clients, one-on-one coaching clients throughout the country now, men of various ages and stages of their lives. And we work together on a weekly basis, one-on-one to help them navigate, optimize, maximize middle age and achieve the goals that they've set out to live a better life. And we tackle a lot of what, what we covered, you know, taking back your schedule, understanding the difference between busy and productive. You know, you're going through the motions and complacency and you're not the man you thought you were going to be. I mean, it can be anything from, again, family, fitness, food, which is really, you know, nutrition, finance, which is deeply important of, do you have enough? Are you going to have enough? What works? What doesn't work? You know, we overlook that, you know, a lot because people don't want to get into the real, real root of, you know, some of those things there. You know, fashion, which is really style and confidence. And are you being yourself? Or are you dressing the part and being, being authentic? Or are you, you know, playing a role, you know, or not? And then fun, which a lot of guys in middle age are not having a lot of. You know, so we tackle a lot of that. Uh, I'm launching a group coaching program, you know, very soon in the next couple of months as well, which will be a virtual online group coaching program to go through these six F's as well. I've got a book that's coming out in June. Wow. So that's going to also be kickstarting kind of the keynote and speaking aspect of things. And the podcast and the newsletter is out every week as well, which grows. And to your point about brands, What's happened is, you know, again, I'm curious by nature. I'm, I'm really into health and wellness and lifestyle type products and goods and services and brands. I just, this is the shit that I read and that I wear and that I buy and, and test out. Um, so I've been really fortunate enough that brands have reached out to me. And also I'll tell you quite frankly, I reach out to brands that I really like, you know, I'm a customer of and say, look, I've, I've been in your, I've been sweating in your sauna every night for the last six months. I, I love my sunlight and sauna. Here's what I'm up to with midlife mail. Do you think, you know, maybe we could collaborate you know, on something like this? How can we spread this message around and get more guys into contrast therapy and using saunas and using cold plungers or wearing Rhone apparel or putting Huron on their skin, you know, and to get rid of the bags under your eyes that are there. I mean, I just, I'm just really into all of this stuff. And I think a lot of these brands and these guys that have become my friends also would like holistically, organically, and authentically have become guys that I train with and work and see on vacation or want to go do things with just help us. Like, can we help each other, you know, there, you know, it's funny. Uh, so I was going to ask you about sunlight and an inside tracker. I've done both. I've actually, 
I, I broke down and I purchased a Sunlight and uh, I listened to a Dave Asprey podcast and damn, oh, yeah. damn if I didn't go out and buy a two-seater Sunlight. And which one do you have? So I've got, um, it's one of their impulse units, but I've got the single, the phone booth size. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's infrared phone booth size. It's in my garage gym. Like it's perfect at first, you know, Kate, my wife was like, what are we getting a sauna for? And we're going to do that and, you know, get the smallest one. And I don't want this taken. And now she wishes kind of, we got the two. You know, it's the funny. One. I got the two one. I was on the fence. Good salesperson convinced me to buy a two person. I got the exact one you did, but the two person one, I, I, I love that thing. It's, it, I, I get in there and I, I just sweat like crazy. It's not only that, I just, I find the, the routine aspect of it, you know, beyond the, the health benefits of sweating it out and being in there, just part of my routine to be able to go in there and decompress or listen to a podcast or a book or just some music or maybe just have some quiet that I can actually write something or respond to something. It's just, I find it's it's a great you know thirty minutes or so where, like, I'm in that box in a way, yeah. and it feels nice to be to be in that box. I could not agree with you more. I, I listen to I do the exact same things you you just talked about. Um, hey, we're almost done here. I just a couple yeah. more things for you. Uh, I promise. Um, your, your typical day. I'm really intrigued. Like, what time do you start your your morning? I know you're about sleep. Um, what, what time do you, what time do you call it quits? Like, just give me just sort of a brief, like, you know, it's just an overview. Yeah. I, I love this question for a couple of reasons. I actually posted a little story today about, you know, the ideal day, you know, like one thing I'm asking my clients to do now is, you know, outline and, and write down what is your ideal day? You know, not a perfect day. You know, there's no perfect and don't give me some bullshit about your, you know, you're on an Island and I'm, I'm on a book. Like, that's not realistic. Like what is an ideal, like real day look like, um, day-to-day life. My day looks like, uh, I wake up about, about six o'clock and usually maybe a little bit before six o'clock, no alarm clock, like ever. Um, I wake up naturally. That seems to be when I wake up naturally about six o'clock. My wife and my boys are still asleep. The dogs are still asleep on the floor. Um, you know, I will tell you, I, the first thing I do, I put eye drops in okay, to my dry eyes and I do check my phone. I'm that guy, and the, but I, I check my schedule. For whatever reason, I wake up and I want to know like immediately, like, hey, I, I don't know why I think something might've changed from the night before. I always look the night before, before I go to bed and plan ahead, but I wake up, I look at my schedule. Okay, I'm up. <laughs> I have a big coffee routine, Yeah, big coffee guy. So I hydrate, caffeinate, urinate. That's what I say. Yeah. <laughs> so 20 ounces of water, athletic greens, element electrolytes, um, and creatine. Okay. I suck that down. Boom. While my coffee is brewing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll usually, I like this um, fellow products makes this drip coffee and I can put it in this really pretty glass thing in the filter. I love the whole process yeah. of the whole thing. Me too. I Especially the, the smell and- too. Love that. So I'll make my coffee and then let the dogs out. And then I usually, if it's nice, I'll sit outside or I'll sit at our dining table and I'll typically write down a few things, you know, for the day, whether it's a couple of things I'm, I'm grateful for, a couple of things I need to do, maybe something I even want to buy. Like what I just kind of get into that and I drink my coffee and boys start waking up. I have breakfast with my kids before they go off to school. I used to love driving them to school, captive audience. I could talk to them in the car. Now they drive themselves, you know, so hug them and kiss them goodbye. And then 
And then I'll go work out once they go. I'll usually I'll walk the dogs for a couple of miles and, and go work out or go work out and then come home and walk the dogs. Depending upon my schedule at that point, maybe I'll do hot and cold, do the sauna and the cold plunge, you know, around then eat breakfast. Typically we'll do, you know, one or two coaching calls, maybe a brand call that's in there. My window is typically about 11 to four, you know, 10, 10 AM, 10 to four is kind of like my real work window you know, in there. So that's podcast, that's newsletter, that's, you know, brand or consulting calls, that's coaching client calls, that's new projects or whatever that I'm, that I might be working on or thinking about. And then I shut it down at four, typically, you know, hang out with the dogs a little bit, talk to Kate about what's happening. Typically our evening is, a, uh, you know, is some kind of game that one of our boys is playing in. You know, we got two games, two basketball games tonight, lacrosse practice is going on, family dinner, and then homework, bed, you know, by by 9 30, 10 o'clock. That's that's pretty much it, man. It's not like it's about as sexy as it gets. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you're getting your sleep. Um you're and you're getting your workout and are you what about eating? You do like because I know nutrition is a food is a big part. Are you intermittent fasting? Are you now you controlling the window you eat? I've tried all that stuff. Again, great, great questions. You know, I mean the keto, the paleo, the high, you know, the low carb, the no carb, the intermittent fasting, all of these things. You know, what I've settled on is eat real good food. One, start with science. Don't start with fads or with trends or with diets or anything that anybody else is necessarily on or just recommends to you. You know, start with science. Go to inside tracker, as you mentioned.com, or yeah. go to a home health, or go to a nutritionist or a dietitian or a primary care physician that actually knows what they're talking about. Get your blood work done, understand what your body responds well to, what it doesn't, what your markers are, and then eat around that yeah. from a lifestyle standpoint, not a diet standpoint. But find things that you like and that you enjoy and that are actually good for you and do that 80% of the time. And then the other 20, you know, live a little, yeah. you know, I don't want to get hit by a bus tomorrow and say, I haven't had a pizza, you know, in, in, in nine months. That does, doesn't sound like a very fun way to live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed, man. I agree with everything you just said, Greg, it's been awesome talking with you. I, I could go on. I have more questions. We'll have to do this again. I really, really appreciate you taking the time and just getting to know you and um, yeah, you know, continuous success for you. Thank you so much, Jack. You too. If there's anything I can do to help you, I'm happy to do it. I think what you're doing is is awesome. I mean, we're all in this together to try to keep this midlife male, if you will, movement growing, you know, 40s, 50s, whatever it is. I mean, I think it's about good people doing good work and helping one another get where they want to go. So I really do appreciate these opportunities to to share the story and on and and pay it forward also. So anything I can do to help you, I'm happy to. That's awesome. Th- thanks again, Greg. Hey, take care. Have a great day. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information on all of our guests, go to brand50.com, where you'll find show notes and other resources to help guide you through the next exciting phase of your life. Please consider subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, along with other platforms, and write us a review while you're there. You can also sign up for our email list on our site, to get the latest podcast updates. We promise you won't get a constant barrage of emails from us and you can bet we'll protect your privacy as well. You can also follow us on social media accounts listed on our site. Thank you for listening.